This is a podcast from the Business Times. Rising costs, rising costs everywhere, but no help in sight. Well, that's not entirely fair because Budget 2023 saw a boost to the assurance package, the GST voucher scheme, and other measures to blunt the impact of rising prices. But when do we stop relying on handouts and help? How easy is it to get to a place where we and our portfolios can weather uncertainties? Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips to help you on your money-managing and wealth-growing journey. I'm your host, Howie Lim. And helping us today is David Ferguson, CEO and co-founder of HugoSave. Singapore's budget 2023 announced earlier in February. How far does it go to help the regular Joe optimize their finances? I think it'll go quite a long way, but at the end of the day, one always has to rely on oneself to ensure one's own financial future. Government can really only go so far, and the sort of personal responsibility is clearly the most important thing. But that said, the government's had some uh, decent measures, and it'll help certainly. I'm an entrepreneur and a finance person, so anything that the government does to encourage saving, I'm going to be all over. So I. I'm really pleased with the increase in monthly income ceiling for the CPF contribution. That I think is fabulous because I think it will encourage saving. Anything that can encourage saving, I always support. I also think things like the efforts to encourage productivity. That's always going to be important for a country like Singapore. We've got a problem in Singapore in the sense that our currency has been so strong over the last 10, 15 years. It's been very difficult for the competitiveness of the country to keep pace with that. The only thing that can keep pace with that is increasing productivity again and again and again. So anything the government can do to increase productivity is incredibly important. I like the support for inflation, you know, the GST vouchers that people are giving out, because that is, you know, that's directly hitting people's wallets. I think that's that's good. And of course, I, I really like the fact that they're increasing the taxes on tobacco. People should stop smoking altogether as far as I'm concerned. It's awful stuff. Have it. <laughs> We've often seen how budgets will cater more to lower income families in terms of aid and the higher income in terms of having them contribute more by way of taxes because they can. The middle income class often feel left out, too rich to get aid, too poor to have to not worry about money. The money, time, energy deficits with which they contend. I always like the term the coping class because there's a lot of people who are in the middle. I mean, you call it the sandwich class, I call it the coping class. There's a lot of people who are stuck in the middle who, you know, it's not bad, but it's, it's not great either. They, they just seem to be getting by. And these are the guys, I include myself in this, we've all been hit by inflation over the course of the last 15 years. The government's pretended that it's been low and managed, but I mean, let's be honest, the things that really hit us, things like medical insurance, you know, things that you absolutely have to have, that hasn't gone up by 1% per year. It's gone up by an awful lot more. So we all need help coping with inflation. Coping with inflation is incredibly difficult. And it's one of the reasons why policymakers are typically so tough on inflation is because once it's there, there's not an awful lot you can do other than economize elsewhere in order to cope with the rigors of it. So, what, I mean, what can we do? Yeah, I mean, we can hope that our investment portfolios will help and create income elsewhere. But realistically, that's not going to do it. The only thing that we can really do is be more sensible with what we actually spend. And we're very, very lucky in Singapore. Singapore is a rich country. 
It's a lot easier to economise with Singapore's income levels than it is with Indonesia's income levels. Yeah, yeah. Spend less, save more, get the cheaper version. We've all heard that. Surely there's more we can do. Economise, we must. And, you know, one of the best things you can do with things like going into your expenditure and working out what you really didn't need to spend or what you're not noticing that you're spending. And I know that you've got these and I've got these. And we, everyone who listens to this has got at least one, probably two or three monthly subscriptions that go out the door that they've just forgotten about. Yeah, and that's sort of 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks a month. Annual basis, that's a lot of money you're saving if you sort of strip that out of your life, you know. I noticed something the other day. It's called Scribed. I subscribed to like three years ago because I wanted to download a book and it wasn't available on Amazon. So I went to these guys and it seemed like a good idea. You could get access to any book you like for a certain fixed monthly fee. And I subscribed. I forgot to unsubscribe. So three years later, reading that book cost me about $500. What do you do? You feel like an idiot, right? We all know we do it. So I would encourage everyone who listens to this to go just check their debit card statement, check their bank account statement. Oh, the other one we did. We had two subscriptions to Netflix in my house. I don't know how we did it, but somehow or other, we just got a little bit confused in the onboarding process and subscribed twice. So you do it. We all do it. Just go in and check. Make sure you're not being as stupid as I am, you know? things that we do as a household that really help us. So we're starting to shop in the less expensive supermarkets and we're making sure that we're buying lots of things down in the wet market. It's saving us a fortune. So expenses have been cut, a plethora of savings and investment mechanisms have been set up. Is there a need to pay attention to things like the Singapore budget then? The budget is a one-size-fits-all endeavour for the whole year, for the whole country. It's clearly not going to help everybody in the same way. So there's nothing that substitutes your own planning, your own budgeting, you know, looking into yourself and you know, taking responsibility for your own finances and just uh, getting to grips with it. Most people can do this. Now, there are some that can't, right? They're, they're at the very low end of society and they've got some real difficulties. And, and unfortunately, the government has helped them out. But for most of us, we can get to grips with this stuff and it's just a matter of doing it. Procrastination. It's the old joke, right? I was going to procrastinate, but I decided not to and do it tomorrow instead. I mean, most people feel like that and behave like that about dealing with their finances, particularly the budgeting stuff. I mean, it's much easier to go, you know what, I'm going to go and do these investments because investments are kind of interesting. But trying to work out how much money you spent at NTUC last month, that's dull and no one wants to do it. But it's where you save the money. Still to come, advice for the risk-averse investor on optimising not just finances, but investments. Senior correspondent Ben Paul shares his analysis and insight on market trends and corporate issues in Mark to Market every second Monday of the month with your trusted partner for financial information. Go to bt.sg podcasts to download. And now, back to Money Hacks from the Business Times. Saving more and spending less can only take one so far these days. This is not to take away from the benefits of compounding, which is doing its job for investments and savings. Spoken as a true risk-averse investor. We've done a lot of studies on this, a lot of market research, and about 30% of Singaporeans 
They're the kind of guys who, you know, they go to a drinks bar, they'll talk about their finances, what they're investing and how they're, they're interested in it. 70% are that they range between actively scared of the discussion to completely bored by it. Those guys, as a general rule, probably 65% of my office here is falls into this category. They're looking for a simple solution that they can sort of put at the back of their mind and go, you know what, I've got this covered. And the simple lesson there is start early, do a little, do it often, right? It's little, early, often. And pick yourself a, a, a long-term savings plan and just get into the habit of putting a decent chunk of money away on either a weekly basis or monthly basis, but it shouldn't be less than that frequency. You know, you should really be looking to do this more often and engaging with that process. Fair enough, but how can the risk averse get over themselves, so to speak? It's really about behavior and how people respond to certain questions. I've got a business partner here in the office and he asked people the two questions. The first is, do you want to have a pension? And the other question is, would you like to be a millionaire? Now, the first question, extremely boring. The second question, of course, is the answer. You immediately engage with that. So there's a book written by a guy who lives here in Singapore um, called The Seven Dollar Millionaire. And the theory is, and it's mathematically correct, if you save $7 a day for from the age of 20 to the age of 70, when most people retire these days, you will retire just from that activity with a million dollars in the bank. Now, that is purely a function of, of compounding, the continuous compounding of that. Now, by the way, if you start at age 30 and do it till 70, you'll only end up with 400,000. So the difference between starting earlier and starting later is absolutely huge. And let's be clear, everybody in Singapore could choose to save $7 a day. That's an extra extra half hour on a, on a shift in a low-income job, right? I mean, that's we can all save that. And you know, that amount of money at the end of life results in social mobility. It results in a secure retirement. It results in lots of great things, you know? So a little early often, that's what we can do. And surely the non-risk averse need advice as well. Oh, 30% who know all about finance. We can have a sensible discussion with those guys, I guess. But I mean, ultimately, most people in that camp will have a fairly fixed idea as to what they're doing, why they're doing it, and how they're doing it. It's much harder to add value to those guys. But I guess most people will have some form of ongoing scheduled investment into market-based products, be it ETFs or be it you know, actively managed mutual funds, and they'll probably have some form of uh, life assurance policy as well. Life assurance is my big bet noir, by the way. Singaporeans have too much whole life policies, far too many whole life policies, which are a complete ripoff, and they should have far more term life, which is a much cheaper product. But generally speaking, those guys, the guys in the 30%, they'll be doing a number of fairly sensible things in terms of commitments to long-term savings products from both a life perspective and a uh, mutual fund market-based product perspective. Is there even advice worth following in an age where information is aplenty? but truth is hard to find. Now, this is one that gets me very angry very quickly. There are very, very few good investors in this world. I mean, genuinely, you know, there are very, very few of them. Now, there are some, and they are billionaires, and they're all terrific, but the vast majority of us, including me, who's been a professional investor in some way, shape, or form for 30 years, are terrible at it, right? So those people have to stop 
and we're all guilty of it, trying to time the markets. Timing markets is a disaster. We've just got to invest consistently where the markets are up, where the markets are down. Over the long term, you're the friend, you know the, you know the term, you've heard, heard the expression a thousand times, the friend is your trend. And if you invest consistently, month in, month out, month in, month out, you will capture that trend, which means that you will get the compounding you need, which will mean you'll be able to turn $7, into a, $7 a day into a million bucks by the end of your life. So it's stop trying to time the markets. You're going to fail. You know what I mean? Surely people know this, especially if they're experienced investors. Oh, yes. I think most people know this, but it's a little bit like I should take more exercise. We all know it, but we don't do it. So it's important to constantly hammer home these tropes so that people can't avoid it. You know, We've been discussing how to optimise your finances in these challenging times and whether Budget 2023 helps us out at all. Thank you to David Ferguson of HugoSave. Delighted. Thank you very much for having me. I really, uh, really enjoyed it. And that's a wrap for this episode of Money Hacks. I'm Howie Lim. Till next time. That was a podcast from the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast or via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3 you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.